Hello, Heddles Nation. It's me, David Shuck, here with a special treat of an interview with Satchel B. Moore of Science and Kindness Denim Repair. If you have been on the scene for a minute or two, you have definitely heard of Science and Kindness based out of the Twin Cities in Minnesota, doing literally every repair that you can imagine on not just denim, but uh, any other like thing made of fabric, whether that's your favorite jacket or a uh, Walmart pagoda where the roof has suddenly uh, gone out on you from UV exposure, Satchel and his team have figured out or will figure out a way to repair it. Um, we get into you know Satchel's beginnings of uh, discovering that as a left-hander, he didn't want his wallet to be in the wrong faded pocket on pre-faded jeans he could find at the mall, and how that led him to finding raw denim and selling raw denim and eventually repairing raw denim and every other thing you could think of. Um, so we're about to get all into that, and uh, Heddles Plus listeners, you should know that uh, Science and Kindness, you can get a free chain stitch hem or $35 off of any service or 20% off of any service over $100 per month, shipping not included there. But you can send in all your jeans, all your uh, different fabrics that need to be repaired, whatever garment you might imagine, they will figure out a way to do it at scienceandkindness.net. All right, so let's get into the interview here. All right, welcome. Satchel B. Moore of Science and Kindness. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, David. Thanks for having me. This is yeah, uh, it's the first time we've had a denim repair artist such as yourself uh, join us. I was wondering if you could just give people like a brief description of like what Science and Kindness is, like how you would tell it to someone that uh, isn't familiar with what you do. For the most part, Science and Kindness exists to keep your relationship with your clothes strong basically um we're here to to fix your favorite pants and to to make the pants that may not be perfect for you a little bit more perfect um whether it's something that doesn't fit or something that needs repair something that just needs a little jazz hands pizzazz or whatever um and it doesn't have to be pants but mostly we're just kind of like the anti-tailor shop tailor shop that doesn't say no and in respects your requests um whether or not they're reasonable really so like any pants go like just pretty much anything that's like worn between the ankles and the waist is uh that's that's your zone pretty much yeah whether it's worn or something you know it doesn't fit um or need need something yeah we're pretty we're pretty open we're not we're not just tailoring we're not just repairs um a lot a lot of customization um a, a lot of open-mindedness really mm-hmm. and not just denim either you'll do like khakis corduroys like yeah not not even just pants um silk silk shirts uh moncler puffer jackets uh Le- leather uh real mccoy's leather jackets um 
hats, uh, we're, we're socks. We've done, you know, uh, fixed a bunch of capital socks over the years, which is really fun. Okay, I might have some to send you if you repair capital socks that it just like blew out the heel in one of mine. Totally. We're basically here to understand that there, it, it's not just like some old garment that, that you want repaired. It's like something that has provenance. It's something that, that means something to you, whether it's because of how it was made or how it came to you or just how well it fits um or you know how well it does its job or used to do its job um we're kind of here to uh to kind of bring the velveteen rabbit who just hopped away Mm because you can't even it's like you can't even see that it's just like this destroyed art item you just see this like perfect thing um we're here to just kind of help that continue to be yours and so it doesn't hop away into into nothingness or into the into the bins or into that drawer of all the other stuff that you need to handle that you love that uh, for some reason you can't part with. Yeah, I I love that. I love that concept because that's the thing that like, I don't know, I've written about constantly that you have to have this like emotional X factor with the stuff that you own or else you're just going to throw it away and you're going to buy the new thing. But if you have that like pair of jeans or like sunglasses or something like that, that represents something more to you than what the item actually is, like that's the thing that's going to keep you repairing it and like keeping it moving forward. And like, you know, it's going to reduce the resource consumption, make you enjoy it more, like save you money. And like, yeah, you won't be as dissatisfied with just buying more and more crap to try to like fill that hole in you that the things that you have already fill. Totally. Yeah. You know, a lot of us came to raw denim or salvage denim or Red Wings or that kind of stuff because the stuff before wasn't doing its job right. And we wanted to kind of, you know, for me, at least, I wanted to kind of free up brain space to do other things. I didn't want to make a decision about what I was going to wear every morning. I just wanted like one outfit, basically, that I could wear, you know, camping or to a wedding. And would and would just be there, you know, ready to rock. And once you find that stuff, like almost if even if you can buy the same thing, and I know you've talked about the replaceability of things, and and you know if you like something, you should go buy three more, you know, almost right away because it's probably never coming back. Um, we're kind of here to give that thing back to you, you know, on some level, um, even if it is a one of one or if. If it's got that perfect, perfect thing that nothing else can can replicate, we're we're here um, to to kind of bring things back from the brink, possible, and hopefully it's not at the brink when we get it. That makes things a lot easier and cheaper. But um, but the brink is always looming with all this stuff. It is it is consumable and inherently impermanent. But we're yeah, here raging against the dying light of exactly. <laughs> Yes. Of threadbareness. But rewind a bit, you know, talking about how you first got into this stuff and like started repairing things. Like what was your journey like of, you know, uh, finding uh, like what was the satchel that was experiencing things that weren't doing their job? And like, how did you find this whole community subculture? Um, Yeah, it's been a long journey. Um, Like basically at the core of all this is I went to Waldorf school. 
preschool through eighth grade. Um, I'm knitting and sure beeswax. Knitting, uh, and, knitting and beeswax, a hundred percent. So, like, I don't know if we want to go all the way through it, but literally in preschool, it starts with you carding wool, just lining up the fibers so that the teacher can can spin them, and then you can start to to do finger knitting, and then knitting, and then crocheting, and then embroidery. And then basic hand, hand, um, oh, I guess you knit socks. Then you, then you sew clothes. Um, then you, then you felt slippers and then you have a sewing machine in eighth grade. And you're so grateful to finally have a sewing machine after, you know, nine years of using your hands to create all this stuff. Um, so really Waldorf is super important, um, because it just kind of instills in you, um, this like hand, like these hand skills that, that seem like giant BS, like when mm. you're learning them, like as a, as a seventh grader, as an eighth grader, like handwork class is not where you want to be. Um, and working, you know, doing your knitting in fifth grade, um, it's not what you want to do. That said, I crocheted hockey uniforms for all my stuffed animals in third grade. Um, and so it was always there. Um, but Waldorf um was a big piece of it um and then my you know my mom just being kind of discerning um she would dress me and like if I didn't like something that she had bought for me she would be like but you can't really argue with it because it's 100% cotton and made in the USA Mm -hmm. and she like went out of her way to try to find that stuff for me um because it meant something to her and because of that like Waldorf like all natural you know, kind of keeping the plastic away at bay. Um, and, you know, all the teachers all wear like hand dyed everything and the silks and the, that you don't see the ceiling. It's just like draped hand dyed silks. And, and it's like very much a fabric, fabric heavy German uh, culture there, Scandinavian. Very tactile. Very, very, like. very tactile. Very tactile and very connected with the materials um that you engage with every day you know like everything smells good everything feels good um you don't just have knitting needles you start with a dial and you pencil sharpen them and then you you olive oil them and then you sand them and then you pencil sharpen them again and then you olive oil them you sand them and it's like this um this continual like respect of the the tools that you use and then you keep getting cooler and cooler tools as you get older um and so it just feels um to have something like like uh this guy just sitting here the union special that does such is such a cool specialized tool um kind of grows out of that where um that those the respect for what it takes to do everything by hand and then you're finally given the tool that just makes it almost instantaneous um, is, is really fun. Um, so yes, the, the Waldorf and the, and the made in the USA, hundred percent cotton is, you know, part of what then going to fancy uh, private high school where everyone had seemingly had a lot more money than I did. Um, and they, and they spent it on their pants. They had, like everyone was wearing like diesel and Prada and you know all these super expensive like seemingly super mm-hmm. expensive things or they had a new pair of Abercrombie jeans every week or something 
Um, this is the early 2000s, I'm guessing, from the yeah, brand list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, starting there in, in high school, I had to, like, figure out, you know, like, how I was going to thread the needle here. You know, I got to explain it. You know, my mom understands the 100% cotton made in the USA thing. She understands that there's value in certain things and investing in, in quality. And so then like, if I'm, if I'm trying to get some sort of like destroyed, you know, whatever, I got to really explain it to her. Mm -hmm. And that is the era, which I discovered that being left-handed, it was almost impossible to find a pair of jeans that a 16 year old would want to at a store, a 16 year old would want to shop at that didn't have a fake wall of fate on the right back pocket. Uh, and I hated that. It seemed like I was being framed for something that didn't happen. Like I never put my wallet in my right back pocket. It does, like that would never happen. There shouldn't be evidence of that. Mm -hmm, but every wash had it there. On Everyone the right. from, from old Navy all the way up to diesel and, and, and Armani and uh, all the pants that I would see every day. Um, they all Did you ever these... feel the, the, the desire to live the lie and just like put your wallet in the wrong pocket to conform, to, to do what the, the <laughs> pants told you you should well, be living your all, life? I did all kinds of conforming. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> all kinds of, of conforming over the years to try to, try to use my pants to, to do things that they shouldn't be expected to do like we all do. Just make mm -hmm. us feel good about ourselves or you know, impress a potential mate or, you know, find our friend group or whatever. Um, but yeah, I was not going to put my pocket, my, my wallet in my right pocket. It didn't, it didn't make sense to me. Um, and that kind of led me on this, like, seemingly like four year journey to raw denim. Um, where, uh, where it's, you know, finding, finding a pair of jeans that wasn't boot cut, wasn't pre-distressed, um, was really hard because no one wanted to, like, it wasn't okay to just go to Kohl's or to Sears, um, and buy a pair of shrink to fit 501s. It's like, jeans didn't fit like that at the time. Like, that's not mm. what we wanted. We want, we all wanted like petite new standards, but hardly anyone knew what those were and they definitely weren't in the twin cities. Um, they weren't in Chicago. Um, and it was hard. It was a, this giant, you know, giant adventure journey search to try to find something. I'm sure we've all had those, had those experiences. Um, yeah. So did you like uh, retreat online? Like I yeah. did and I guess the rest of the people did in the late two thousands. Yeah, yeah. So um, I got a pair of cheap Mondays imported from, nice. from Sweden. Straight, they had they didn't have North American distribution, and like they lasted like they were so tight. They must have been measured in like centimeters as opposed mm -hmm. to inches. Um, and coming from everything else, but they lasted thirty days before they exploded in the crotch, and I, you know, threw them away. I washed them to see what the cool fades would be. And it was just like the classic, like my mm -hmm. jeans are super tight, double V, 
<laughs> just like one mm-hmm. thin line, one thin line on both sides. Um, but that was re- that was really the beginning. Um, you know, ordered our one, my first real pair of raw denim. Then that that were 100% cotton. After a couple more cheap Mondays, was I ordered a pair of nudies, which again mm-hmm. just like also from t- Sweden. Grim Tims, yep, exploded in the crotch. I'm a big sob and Volvo guy, so um, the Swedish stuff was always appealing to me. Um, and then um, fin- finally, like, made it to blue and green, bought a pair of Samurais, um, or got, I guess before that, got a pair of Kicking Mule Workshops. Mm, um, R.I.P. The, the, yeah, super R.I.P. Um, and yeah, so they all just like exploded in the crotch, like because we all there was like is at the time where denim brands weren't yet tapering jeans. They just had like a slim straight that everyone would just size down as far as possible to get it mm-hmm. as skinny as possible at the bottom. And God, um, we all lived through that. Um, but the crotches were always like, exploding since I played cello, like. The Graham Tims, I literally couldn't wear them because I couldn't. I couldn't wear them with cello lessons because I couldn't actually sit and play cello, which was really funny. That's like imagining Yo-Yo Ma in my head now. Like to play cello, you have to like sit with your legs straddled around the instrument, right? So yeah, like- definitely. Yeah, yeah. And he he kind of leans back now, so he could maybe get away with some with some <laughs> low rise, you know, crotch or <laughs> hip squeezers. But at the time, um. We, you know, we all made sacrifices because there was no way to try them on. <laughs> There's no mm-hmm. way really to return them. Like internet return culture was not really a thing yet. Yeah. And size charts on all these websites weren't really a thing either. No, you know, there was, uh, there was a style forum where you mm-hmm. could get a little bit of help. Um, and they, you know, there was, everyone had their opinion, but it was always like, Selvage, hidden rivets, button fly, you know, those were those were what you needed. And so of course kicking mule was awesome because it ticked all the boxes. Um and samurai, I got a pair of those from blue and green. That was awesome. They hemmed them there. That was I that made a super big impression on me. Um when then I graduated from college in 2008, when there like was no jobs, and uh, after a quite quite optimistic Craigslist search for jeans in the jobs classified, I um, discovered that they were opening a Levi store in the Mall of America. And oh. so I got got my first post college job with a double major in business management and um and music theory. Got rejected from the Swatch Watch kiosk because someone with a doctorate <laughs> be, got got my associate keyholder position. Uh, someone with a PhD in horology or something is applying at the Swatch kiosk like. 2008 was a wild time. <laughs> oh, it was nuts. And um, yeah, so I got my $8 an hour job at the Levi's store where I'd wear my... Uh, wear your Samurais on the floor? Wear my Samurais to the store and put on my stretchy 510 Ecos because there was nothing salvage in the shop. I was going to say at that point, you could probably wear the Samurais that like had the arcs and the red tab 
Yeah, that was they probably could have gotten away with it. Yeah, the Mob America, um, working at the Levi's store, turned into me helping some friends who were opening like a thrift store. Um, and that had a little uh, tailor shop seamstress area in the back so you could get stuff altered and get stuff fixed. And I brought my amazing samurais there, you know, with the hem scraps, you know, from Gordon. Like, mm-hmm. You know, these have cotton stitching. I understand you may not have cotton thread, but just like all the seams need to be reinforced. The bottom of the pocket's blown out. The left side um so you can left side where the wallet is exactly exactly (laughs) truth there's truth there um Mm -hmm. and um so i gave her the the fabric scrap to use for the bottom half of that pocket and they come back with like some like stretchy horrible horrible material on the bottom half of that pocket and that was kind of the like the first seed of me like being like okay like mm-hmm. what 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 there's a di- there's another level to this this denim mm-hmm. repair this could thing. be done better this yeah, could be done better regardless of how skilled or knowledgeable this tailor is she like she doesn't understand what's going on Mm-hmm. Yeah, that there's a disconnect here. Like that, that she doesn't get what these genes are about and how to totally. Them. Yeah, and so fast forward a few years, um, or not even a few years, but like almost immediately after that, I started working at Black Blue. Um, like met the guy before he was open and asked him, you know, what kind of jeans are you going to sell? And and gratefully over the years, it kind of turned into the the most awesome jean shop that I could have imagined. Yeah, I was going to say, you can find APCs there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, so yeah, finding, you know, APCs and, you know, kind of building that list and um, and watching all those brands kind of grow all, basically all those 09 brands um, and everything that kind of blossomed up around then, um, you know, mm-hmm. the Baldwins and the Raleigh's and the the Tellisons and the left fields. And um, yeah, it was very fun to be um, a part of that and to, um, to just like put jeans on butts because I'm a short guy. I'm five, eight, like all these jeans were like eight inches too long for me. And the owner is perfect. You know, it's like everything fit him just great. Um, and it was okay to have a bit of a chunky cuff then, but and it was before everything was too short. So it was okay to like have a cuff and like get some good stacks. Um, but almost immediately it was clear to me that if we were going to have all these brands and just be crushing selling raw denim, that they needed to be hemmed and they needed to be hemmed correctly. Yeah. You wanted that blue and green experience. Yeah, yeah, it needed to be right. It couldn't it couldn't just be like, oh, just wear your jeans six inches too long. Or, you know, if you, it, you know, you're stuck with the cuff or you're going to get some crazy hem, you know, whatever, you, you know, go to your local tailor and, and spin the dial and see what shows up, um, you know, kind of t- local tailor Russian roulette. Um, where who knows what they're going to do with that cuff. 
and you know, are they going to chop it off and sew it back on? Or are they just going to not have a chain stitch? Um, it was clear that we needed to have a, uh, chain stitch machine. Um, so that was just, it was the store's machine, but it was in my apartment. Hemming, hemming a couple dozen jeans a week at least. Um, and it was just kind of that, like, this needs to be done and no one else is going to do it kind of thing. And then it just kind of turned into me needing to get a darning machine. Yeah, I was going to say, when does this 47W70 make its yeah, appearance? Yeah, so that um, that showed up about a year later. Um, oh. It just needed to happen. And I, I held on to it for like nine months and didn't even take it out of the box or anything. Because I was like worried that my whole life would just be like doing crotch repairs. And I had, full, I had a full-time job. And another job mm. teaching cello and like playing soccer all the time. Um, I, I like really didn't have the time or the bandwidth to really start to focus on denim repair. But just like, and then one day a friend of mine was like, I need to fix my APCs and came over and with a power drill and we just like strapped it on off the end of another sewing machine's table and turned the motor around and flip the wires so that it spun the right way. That was the first five years of the business right there. Just, just that machine really. And I didn't even have another machine. It was, I had the first two denim grail machines and then I would just have, you know, friends who were sewer people do sew back pockets and, and do, do the, the simple sewing. Um, while I was at work, <laughs> I was still just selling jeans had you had you called it science and kindness or like was it still just a thing that was done through word of mouth of like yeah this is a thing that i do on the side and like people know about me and they bring their jeans like it like when did it first start to feel like it was actually a business it needed to become a business a couple years earlier like as a like um, for tax purposes in the middle Mm -hmm. of the night i was kind of a i have a list of just cool ideas and names of things on my phone like i think a lot of us do um and it came to like things like pre-sand egypt are on that list you know just like nothing that really means anything but just like a cool thing to think about um and it was like 2 30 in the morning trying to figure out how to pay these taxes you know um and i registered with the state it was i thought it was going to be again old friend um and i like registered all the Instagram accounts and, and the, the Gmail. And when I woke up, it was science and kindness. Um, and I had the Instagram accounts. And so that was like the end of 2000 or the middle of 2014. So mm-hmm. there was like a year and a half or about a year in which um, science and kindness was kind of like a, like a barnacle within black blue. Um, mm-hmm. you know, which was due, it was responsible for the hems and doing repairs. Um, and then it was excised. Um, and, um, and it, yeah, it really became its own thing, um, in 2015, spring of 2015. And, um, and almost right about within a year, I started working at, um, or not at, but 
with uh, Red Wing Heritage doing social media. And so that started taking over a lot of my time. You know, it's kind of like the heyday of, of Heritage Instagram, mm-hmm. 2016. Another 17. Minnesota brand. Another Minnesota brand. Um, and so that was really fun and taking up a lot of my time. And then I um, just started poaching friends from their lives to try to come and help darn pants. Um, mm-hmm. And so that kind of started the whole people coming here into my apartment and just fixing pants while I'm doing other work or not even here. Um, and there was some of that while I was at Black Blue, um, but it wasn't quite, you know, that was just like maybe one or two days a week, but then it started to become almost every day there's someone here sewing pants mm-hmm. um, kind of joining me in my space, um, which is really fun. And then it just kind of became a the beginnings of acquiring sewing machines and, and acquiring capacity um, to tr- kind of balance out the the demand and trying to trying to make it more accessible to people and not be afraid of not having the capacity to deal and you know trying to keep turnarounds fast and trying to keep it accessible. Um, you know, kind of almost in a direct response to someone, something like Indigo Proof, where it's like, people send me emails and they're like, are you taking repairs? And it's like, of course we're taking repairs. That's what we do. Um, where it's like, you don't, you like, a lot of these places, like, you know, um, windows are open, are open or closed, or you have to apply. And it's like, we like, we'll just fix your pants and we'll, we'll turn them around within two weeks, you know, as best as we can. And, um, and shorter if you need them. And, um, so that has always been a part of it is making sure that there are people here, you know, me or anyone else who's interested wants to be here. It's kind of like, if you want to be here, we'll find something for you to do kind of situation at first. Um, where we yeah we're just trying to get through the piles of pants and make sure that everyone's needs are net met so like getting to that point like i am thinking back of like do you have any formal training on how to use these machines or do repairs and stuff beyond like the beeswax and like hand carding and and waldorf school or it was all self-taught along the way of like here's the the 43200g let's learn it Here's the darning machine. Let's learn it. A lot of that, um, if you know, it was a lot of late nights just alone, just trying to figure out what was going on. There was one video on YouTube of Andrew Chen from 316 mm-hmm. um, acting like he's teaching how to fix jeans on, on, I think it's at Self Edge, but I'm not positive, um, how to darn a pair of jeans. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know the if video. they... You know the video, but yeah. it, it's like he's learning too. Like it's mm-hmm. early in the game for everyone there. Yeah, I think that video is from like 2011, 2012 or something. Yeah, yeah. So that's right about the time that I got our darning machine, and that was really that was that was the the information other than than what's in the um what's in the manual, which is pretty basic. Um, but better than new manuals because now you have to be like a certified repair guy to even have a manual. Um, mm. Is these machines like the forty-seven W seventy was like thirties, forties, and fifties machine? 
and like the 4300G was like 20s, 30s, and 40s. What is that when it was used? Yeah. So like yeah, there really much. isn't anyone that you could like learn from for how to do this. There's no one alive that has that knowledge. No, like uh, for the Hemming machine, um, you know, we've never really worked as well as it could have and I had no idea what was going on you know like we're we're asking it to him like the re- these ridiculous pants um we sold a lot of left fields and a lot of APCs both of which have failed in seams and these machines mm-hmm. hated that and yeah, you've got I, like 16 layers of fabric that you're trying to do totally like on totally a, on a rolled hem and yeah, the local repair guys, like one guy charged me 75 bucks to just show up and be like, this is an old machine. You could probably find something that would do this better. And um, and so it was just a lot of trial and error and not a lot of formal training, but just like I knew what this was supposed to look like. And I knew what um, what a good what a good repair would feel like and what a good repair would look like. and um, and a lot of people just want to wear their pants again and don't don't really care. But it was up to me to do the caring because I had been the ones that had talked him into this three hundred dollar pair of or you know, two hundred and eighty five dollar pair of Raleigh's or you know the four hundred dollar pair of woe dyed tender jeans or whatever. And so like I had to back it up because we're not in new york we're not in la we're not in miami like people don't spend money on clothes here like they do there they come they came to black blue because of the people and because of the support of the community and and the press we got and um and just kind of that like midwestern i don't want to feel too left behind you know, I'll let someone else go first, but I'm going to follow um, classic Midwestern mentality that led a lot of people to buying a lot of expensive jeans. And it was really up to me to keep that promise that their money was being spent in a good way. Uh, what was the pitch like in, I don't know, like the 2010, 2011 to people that had never like heard of or seen raw denim before? Uh, that you were trying to sell them like a $250, $300 pair of pants? Um, I'm going to say um, it was too intense. It was, it was too aggressive. But um, mm. I, like, I put a lot of people in a lot of tight, uncomfortable pants that were very expensive. And I'm not sure how many of them you know, were worn more than a couple times. But enough of them found, you know, got through the first couple months of wear and mm-hmm. and you know learned learned how to get into their pickups you know in a in a unique you know kind of you know <laughs> get your knee up in a unique kind of way and um and yeah so i i laid it on thick i i can't i can't deny that as a salesperson like i knew that like my livelihood depended on like most people that came into the shop needed to like if they didn't break they needed to have a giant dent in their defense against raw buying a pair of raw denim and Mm -hmm. um and i'm sure that um that a lot of my initial pitch um resonates in those halls still um 
as far as like how how polished I had had the pitch and how my responses to any any kind of rejection um was they were good um part of that came from i don't know if you know cutco knives the, yeah like the door-to-door sales uh, mm-hmm. you know, lifetime uh, guarantee oh lifetime guarantee yep um Olin, uh, new york um but uh i did uh, the training for that and i swear to god one of the most valuable two weeks of my like most useful two weeks of my life um, was learning how having Cutco teach me how to sell their knives, and um, and I applied all of those, a lot of those, a lot of those tricks, and um, combined with a whole lot of belief in in raw denim to building a pretty strong, um, a pretty strong denim head community here, and, and putting putting a large chunk of of the men of the twin cities and of the 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 midwest that comes here as opposed to goes to chicago um in in a pair of raw denim blowout say i'm a guy that uh bought a pair of you know petite standards way too tight uh blew out the crotch the like leg out seam has blown out near the knee. Uh, my my like wallet's about to bust through the back pocket. I, I Google for like denim repair. I find science and kindness. I'm I'm at your Instagram page. Like, what happens next? How do I go from having these jeans uh, all busted to uh, getting them back in one piece from you? Like, what are the steps of the process? Steps of the process have gotten easier recently. Um. We just built a website, so our first time we had a building before we had a website, which is pretty fun. Um, <laughs> Scienceandkindness.net um, is like really like web point zero point one like quality website. Um, it's just a form that says kind of general pricing, and then you send us a couple photos if you want, and then. I reply with an email and kind of tell you the specifics, give you a, a general estimate and tell you where you can drop off or ship your pants or whatever you need um, and ask for any specifics we need and kind of remind you to put a note in identifying you and your pants and where they should be sent back. And, um, and yeah, really, you know, letting people know that they can kind of expect a two-week turnaround, and, and um, we'll be in touch at certain points if needed, and we'll send a PayPal or a Shopify invoice when we're uh, when we're done and ready to ship, and then we'll we'll send you tracking when when we send them back, or if you want to come pick them up, then we'll give we'll figure out a time when you can do that. Um, so it's pretty high touch. You get a lot of me. Are there any things that like uh, you don't do or have refused to do? Are there any things of like, you know, I've, I've talked to other people that are in denim repair that are like, I get the grossest jeans sent in and people don't wash them. Or like, is there a, a pre-washing like requirement? Like what are the, the things that uh, any cancer won't? Yeah. Um, we've definitely gotten some gross jeans. Like <laughs> people are gross. Um, we understand. Um, we kind of have like a punk 
house mentality. So we'll we'll deal with it. But we're always it's a very accepting mentality. Yeah, we we folks. we you know we have gloves and masks if we need to. Um, but we you know we always threaten to like oh we're gonna next time this person sends them in we're gonna charge you know like to wash them we're gonna charge them a gross fee and whatever and like we just deal with it. Um, the things that we reject would be um something like a real like your dad's like favorite tea that's just like not really a tea anymore it's it's Mm -hmm. kind of like a an exercise in in loving your dad and um and you know at a certain point things should just be hung up and appreciated you know whether it's framed or just it just stays in the closet and you can put your nose in it and and um so like the we were always looking to expand and we've definitely expanded into knits, but like the, the paper, paper thin t-shirt is just, that doesn't work. We can't really fix Mm -hmm. that. Um, something that we like, you know, fool us 800 times, shame on, shame on, shame on, shame on us is the HBT fatigue pants from world war two and, and Korean war. And like they, they they're it's a quicksand like there's no where like there's, <laughs> there's nowhere to grab onto you like every stitch is the beginning of the next hole and we all we always oh. fall for it we always fall for it like oh yeah no problem this little rip no problem and we always undercharge and we always overwork and those are those are ones that we have to become smarter about but they, we just want to fix it. so we say yes <laughs> is it just the way that it's like woven? Is it like those are sateen or something, right? So they just yeah. dissolve more yeah, they're, easily. They're just dissolved and they're just old and they've been sitting and they've been washed eight hundred million times. There's like so many reasons and they're dry rotted and they're like they just disintegrate. Like especially mm. those. Almost everything else can be saved, but for whatever reason, it's the old HBT fatigue pants that just like. They just can't. Mm-hmm. They, they, they just, they, it's just over. <laughs> the PSA for anyone listening with <laughs> some yeah. fatigues they want to get repaired. Yeah, send them in. We'll do what we can. <laughs> mm-hmm. but like, what is the, your approach to doing repairs? And you, you touched on it earlier about like, it's, uh, you know, the, the hole is going to be less there. Was yeah. like, I think the way that you phrased it of like, totally. are you, like, so you're not all the way in on like, oh, what, you want to make these like repairs invisible completely. Do you want it to like, where do you fall on that spectrum? And what do you like think is the characteristic of the repairs that you're doing? Um, yeah, so we try as best we can to kind of manage expectations. Um, so we are kind of on our on our like response default response email. Our our go to repair is going to be as discreet as possible and Mm. if if you don't tell us what you want we're gonna try to make that whole you know invisible from five feet if possible but we Mm -hmm. can't promise that especially if the hole is pretty giant or if it's a super thin fabric or if it's super stretchy or if it's a weird color um it's easiest to do, to blend things on denim just because of the nature of indigo and and how the uh how the fabric is woven. Um, and so, you know, it's easier to, to make things, you know, 
in quotes, invisible um, on, on something that's denim, especially heavier denim. But um, we don't promise that really ever. Um, but, you know, sometimes we get close and that's, that feels really good. Um, and people really appreciate that. And for the most part, from a few feet away, from a few yards away, you're not going to notice most of our repairs. Um, especially crotch repairs. You don't see them, but if, you know, if someone's waving their crotch around in the air, um, after sending their jeans to us, they're not, people aren't going to be like, oh, what's going on there? They're just, there's just going to be a crotch, um, that, Mm -hmm. that is mostly the same color as the crotch around it. Um, and, but that said, you know, people all have specific requests. They want hand repairs. They want extra reinforcements. They want they want a patch on the back. We generally don't put a patch behind our darning, but um, a lot of people do, and um, some people prefer that. So if that's in the requests, we're happy to oblige. Um, part of why we bring in people from the art world more than people from the sewing world is they understand the picking of the battles as far as putting Mm -hmm. time and energy and where to draw the line with finite resources, um, where the folks uh, doing the repairs, doing Uh, the repairs, um, that there's, that's always a difficult thing is where to stop and, um, balancing Mm -hmm. like a nice comfy worn in feel with something that's just gonna like, you know, survive a bunch of, you know, triple step jumps or whatever, uh, know every day Um, and so there's always a a balance of durability and comfort and time and you know because we could you know we could preemptively darn the entirety of every garment we get if it if someone wanted wanted us to or if if we were going for ultimate durability um and -hmm. then of course you know we could we could put polyester, use polyester thread instead of cotton thread or whatever, and it would be a heck of a lot more durable and, and you know, last for, for a lot longer. Um, but, you know, it's kind of up to the customer. For the most part, we're going to kind of meet, meet them in the middle, make it durable, leave, it, leave some comfort there. Um, what's nice about the darning is you can continually re-darn you know, on the edge of the darning without getting it too bulky over time, it does get bulky. And then we can like sand it down and start over if we need to. Um, there's, um, there's a lot we can do with darning and with the repairs to just make sure that people want to wear their pants again. So yeah, you have any like weird or notable pairs or customers coming in? Anything of like, oh, I got in a car accident and the paramedics cut off my jeans, save them. Yeah, I've heard a couple stories of those. Yeah, we've done a few of those, which are, you know, like always give you a moment of, of gratitude um, on mm-hmm. many levels. Um, yeah, you know, people, people with their iron heart shirts cut off of them or people with their favorite jeans cut off of them. And that is, again, it's just like, wow, you know, like this like an enormous moment in your life occurred in these in this uh item and you know there's a lot of emotion and and a lot packed into into this garment and for them to trust us to put 
it back together, kind of like they're putting themselves back together oftentimes, um, is really meaningful and, and very, very fun. And, um, and kind of tells exactly what we're about is, is like seeing more than just the garment, um, as a garment and, and nothing else and seeing what, what it means to have this garment back bearable with the scar, with as minimal a scar as possible, um, depending on the request of the customer. Um, and yeah, really, really, you know, that is a really great way for, for the company to, to bond with its customers and to really, show some understanding um on a interpersonal level um you know, it's the really the ki- the kindness part of, of the business um where you know these are people and it's not just pants um and we feel like we've made a lot of amazing friends and a lot of built a lot of great relationships um with people that we've like hardly ever met um just because we fix their stuff is there anything that you'd like recommend people like how they wear their clothes or uh, uh, if they want to do their own repairs of like you said, like send things in earlier rather than later. But like in order to get the most out of the, the clothing that you have, um, any recommendations like washing more frequently, less frequently, um, like how you store your stuff? Like basically, how do you uh, spend the most time without uh, sending a pair to you? Um, or the opposite, if yeah. that's like against your, <laughs> no, <laughs> what's going to pay the bills there? I, I think the dryer is, you know, you have to pick your battles, but I, if you can keep your clothes out of the dryer, that's like a really great start. Um, yeah. front loading washing machines, if you can do it, like that'll, that'll save you a bunch of, of sadness in the future. Cause you're not just beating your clothes around a stick. Um, yeah, wash, washing your stuff when when it's gross, but not that often. Um, wash your body and not your clothes. Um, <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, um, but when your clothes are, are gross, wash them. You know, like I think a lot of guys end up with raw denim that's like getting like basically eating itself. It's like more mm-hmm. skin cells than than cloth, and and there's a, there's a special kind of disintegration for that. Um, and so, yeah, just keeping your stuff relatively clean. Um, and I think one thing that these days now that everything doesn't need to be as tight as possible is like, have a couple different sizes for yourself. Give yourself that forgiveness. Don't cram yourself. You know, let, you can have you can have a pair of jeans for for the winter time and a pair of jeans for the summertime. Um, for those those two different bodies, because almost everyone has a winter body and a summer body. Um, and cramming yourself into those old jeans and kind of, kind of, you know, not respecting the jeans in that way. I don't know. It's like, it's like respect yourself and the jeans because you're both, you are changing as a human being and your jeans are staying the same and you can't expect your favorite jeans to be, to serve like the new you always. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm not trying to body shame or anything. It's just like a reality. Like so many jeans come to us because like, yeah, they're just, they're just too tight and we can help you with that. Um, if you want to stretch out your jeans, um, 
Get yourself one of these. A balloon, a yoga ball. A yoga ball. Put them in there, um, and and blow it up and and pay attention to the seams. Um, and you'll get a little bit of room out of there. Um, but for the most part, just buy like wear jeans that fit. Um, and they will last longer. Um, what in too big of jeans will wear out too. Um, in in weird places like like in your ankles and um the back of your knees and. And so, yeah, just like paying attention to how your jeans fit um, and how your clothes fit in general. You know, if, if your sweatshirt's too long, like your, your cuffs are going to get ratty. And, <laughs> and if, if your jacket's too long, your, your cuffs are going to get ratty. Um, and so, yeah, just little things like that. You know, you think like, oh, I'm, you know, I don't want to spend $80 to get like my you know, my fancy Gore-Tex cuffs or jacket, jacket hemmed or whatever, but like you'll save yourself a jacket down the line if you pay attention to those types of things. Um, yeah, just like just making sure things fit appropriately um, is a great way to, to keep them lasting. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of on everyone to just kind of pay attention. Mm. And if folks don't then you're here to to pick up yeah, the pieces totally the yeah slack. we've been doing a lot of um which has been really fun uh turning skinny jeans into straight jeans or into flared jeans um just add in all really a lot, you can a put lot. more material into yeah one? and it's not going to be invisible but it's an easy fix um you know if you like your jeans and or if you just have a bunch of jeans that you're not wearing um yeah it's pretty fun we can we can build it you know, do it from the inside or do it from the outside. We can do it pretty discreet. Um, but it's oftentimes more fun to just have like have have some uh have some action down the inside or the outside of your, your legs to and your hips to to just give yourself more room and to and to continue to use what you have as opposed to to you know uh tossing your card and drawing another one hoping for yeah. a good one. Now, if you can dream it uh, being done to your clothes, you'll give it a good faith effort to do it. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, we, we're pretty confident at this point. Like I said, uh, Katie, who we brought in this fall, who'd worked with us over the years, um, she, she'll do, she can do anything. She um, was the designer at Target that did almost the whole Lily Pulitzer collection back in the day. Mm. And had her own brand called Winsome Goods, um, which still exists, but only sells its patterns. It doesn't actually manufacture its own clothes anymore like it used to. Um, and so having her around like just gives us like extra, extra, extra confidence to kind of take on anything. Like She's been doing a lot of hat repairs where we just take apart a baseball hat, and fix it, and put it back together for everyone that has a worn out baseball hat brim, uh, either with the crack in it or a style crack or um mm. worn out at the edges send them to us we'll take care of that that's been really fun fixing people's fixing people's uh baseball and like newsy style hats mm -hmm. the, uh, irish irish band style hats yeah the, the like uh the snap brim. peaky blinders caps yeah yeah exactly For lack of a better term yeah but 
Very cool. And so if people want to get started, uh, scienceandkindness.net, that's the place to go? Yes, please. That'd be great. Or send us a DM on Instagram or scienceandkindness at gmail.com. I'm, I'm answering questions as fast as I can all the time. And that really much covers everything that I wanted to get into today. Is there anything that you uh, else that you wanted to talk about or anything specific you want to plug? Um... We just got an, a chain stitch embroidery machine, which is really oh, fun. Um, exciting! So that's you know just like you know adding to the adding to the capacity. If someone wants you know a little bit of something extra on their pants or on their jacket yeah. or on their hat, um, and you wants to give us a little more stuff to do, um, which we always love. Yeah, you know, we have been really enjoying. Uh, starting to do chain stitch stuff we've done a few a few projects by hand and now it's great to just have uh, yeah have that, that, that takes to time that, to crank that <laughs> out um so that's been that's really fun um we recently uh figured out how to do single stitch t-shirt hems for all the nerds who want to get into um oh for their, like blind stitching yeah yeah so that's mm. cool um for all for the t-shirt nerds because there's a lot of them and, and like, I'm sure there's going to be like a heddles for t-shirts soon or, or something where like people are getting so nerdy about their t-shirts um, and their sweatshirts too. Um, so we're working on, on doing more knits for people. If mm -hmm. anyone has an opinion, we're trying, I haven't put out the, the poll, but we're trying to figure out if our next machine we're going to buy is to do more knit sweatshirt repairs, t-shirt repairs um or in alterations or if uh we should focus on uh doing triple stitch carhartt resizing um like legit. oh so you've got a triple stitch flat fill machine like perhaps on the yeah that that one of those two things um is what we're thinking about yeah next. or a or net yeah okay. so if anyone hasn't always new horizons yeah let us know that's that's always fun great well thanks so much satchel i uh, really appreciate you taking the time and yeah, if people want to find out more, you can go to scienceandkindness.net. And um, so if I'm not mistaken, we have a, a Heddles Plus oh, yeah. special. Yeah, there's some good, some good Heddles Plus uh, benefits. What do we got? Free chain stitch hem? Yeah, we got a free hem and uh, I think discount on repairs as yeah, well. Yeah, discount on repairs. So check that out if you're a Heddles Plus customer. And if you're not, you should become one and so you can check it out. Uh, you, you heard it from Satchel, folks. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it's about. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Satchel. Appreciate your time. Thanks, David. Take care.